Hey friends, this is Michael Bohm with Youth Apologetics Training. Today we're going to keep going with this series about the New Apostolic Reformation. Uh, yesterday we ended by talking about this end times wealth transfer again, although I started off by looking at some similarities between the New Age movement and their practices and what you see in the, the Word of Faith New Apostolic Reformation crowd. Huh, they're very similar and this is not a case of uh, Satan counterfeiting something of God, it's its actually, well, it's a case of Satan is inspiring these New Agers, these pagans, to do certain practices uh, that are, well, I suppose akin to witchcraft, communicating with spirits, uh, uh, entering the silence, transcendental meditation. You see these practices, they originated in the New Age movement, and then... You see uh, believers picking them up and slapping a Christian label on them, using Christian terminology and calling them Christian, calling them something of God. Uh, Well, that's not the case. But we ended by talking about this end times wealth transfer. There's one other scripture that does get thrown around a little bit. And I want to bring you guys over to this. James chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Um... Let me ask you this, as I'm reading through this, does it really say that there will be an end-time wealth transfer? All right, you do see some concepts here. You see money or treasure. You see that this treasure will be heaped together for the last days, all right? But beyond that, you never see that treasure transfer into the hands of believers all at once in the last days, um... For any kind of a great purpose. It's just not there. But here you go. It says, uh, Go to now, ye rich men. Weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you. Wow, so the the gold and silver is uh, wasting away. And that's a witness against them, huh? And shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped together, ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. That phrase, or, or Lord of Sabaoth, that is, Talking about the Lord who defends the defenseless, okay? Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruits of the earth, and have long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. All right, so what's really being talked about here? Because it's clearly not talking about an end times wealth transfer. I mean, that is taking a scripture way out of context. What we're seeing is we have these rich men. They've been holding back wages to those who labor their fields. They've been paying them unjustly. And God sees it. The God, the Lord of the Sabbath, 
the one the God, the God who defends the defenseless sees what's going on. He's angry at these rich men, but but verse seven, be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, thus the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruits of the earth. And hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. As in, God is rich in mercy. He is slow to anger. He, he is being patient with all these unbelievers. Looking forward to that chance, that opportunity that they might also be part of this harvest. That they might also be saved. And that is the kind of merciful God that we serve. But no, this verse is not talking about an end times wealth transfer. There just seems to be this unnecessary coveting and emphasis on money by these false teachers, these false prophets and apostles. And friends, I can't help but think of the book of Revelation when we're talking about this Laodicean church. And John is writing and he says, Thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? Oh, you know, I can't help but think of these groups. Well, gosh, I can't help but think of... A large portion of the churches here in America. Uh, verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, and thou mayest be clothed with that clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Yikes. Alright, so changing gears here, uh, I want to look at some of the scriptures that are used to talk about uh, apostles and prophets being for today. Now, there, you know, this is a big debate in the church right now. Are apostles and prophets really for today? And this has been an issue that I have struggled with for a long time. Uh, I, I, I come at it from varying from two different lines of evidence. First, I look at the Bible. What does the Bible say? Uh, and it doesn't seem to indicate that apostles and prophets are for today. I also look at more anecdotal evidence, as in uh, all these guys that claim to be apostles and prophets, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing the fruit. All I'm seeing is a ragtag group of guys who are filthy, rotten, rich, okay, manipulating their congregations, caught up in all kinds of sexual scandals, cheating on their wives. Turns out some of them are homosexuals. I mean, all kinds of sinful problems, all right, and then teaching all kinds of false doctrines, and then, of course, additionally busting out prophecies that are clearly false. I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm not seeing it. I am not seeing it. If you were to, I mean, if we were really going to say that apostles and prophets were for today, um, I guess I would expect to see some real bona fide apostles and prophets. Uh, but here are a few scriptures that the New Apostolic Reformation like to use. 
All right. Uh, probably the most popular of them is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so we do see apostles and prophets right here in the book of Ephesians. Uh, a couple things I want you to kind of notice here. We're going to come back to it. Uh, he gave some. Uh, past tense. He gave some. All right. And I guess he. Who's he? God. Christ. Christ gave some to be apostles and prophets. And on it goes. So there are uh, two ways that this is often interpreted. Uh, that don't necessarily agree with the new apostolic reformation crowds uh, uh, look at this. Some look at this uh, as, well, this is... Some look at this as referring to the first century apostles and prophets who, uh, well, like it's mentioned in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, they played a major role in the history of the church, the foundation of the church. As in God used these apostles and prophets, uh, Jesus appointed them to be apostles and prophets, and they built that foundation of the church. We have the scriptures, and now that that foundation is built, we, know not, we no longer need apostles and prophets. Another way that this is uh, looked at is that God does use apostles and prophets today, Okay, but in a different fashion. All right. Now that the foundation of the church has been built, uh, apostles and prophets are looked at differently. Uh, well, the word apostle, for example, it means messenger or sent out one. Okay. Well, in the times of Christ, we had those original apostles who were sent out by Christ himself. They were empowered by Christ. They built that foundation of the church. But nowadays, we have apostles who are sent out not by Christ. Christ didn't show up and, and lay hands on them or, or anything like that, okay? They were sent out by a church, all right? And so they're still apostles in that sense. They're sent out messengers. Okay, but they're not apostles of Christ. So you can call them missionaries, uh, church planners, or whatever, but they're not the same. It's not that same concept of apostles and prophets that you see in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament. And so, really quickly, uh, there are a couple other scriptures that are often looked at to, to make the same point. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Hmm. Okay, so actually that kind of supports my theory. Actually, that kind of supports the contention that, again, these apostles and prophets that were sent out by Jesus built the foundation uh, of the church, of God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. All right, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see these gifts being spoken about. 
And we see that God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, and on it goes. Well, when reading a, a fantastic book, I, I all highly suggest you guys check this out. Uh, it's called Religious Trojan Horse, and it's written by Brandon House. Uh, he talks about how apostles and prophets are not for today. And I want to run down some of the lines of evidence he talks about. I tend to side with him on this because, again, I'm just not seeing it. I don't see from the scriptures where apostles and prophets are for today. Uh, rather, conversely, I see that they are not for today. And then also, well, if you just look at these guys who are claiming to be apostles and prophets, you don't see the fruit of it. I mean, you don't at all. Not at all. And friends, by the way, uh, if you conclude that apostles and prophets are for today, and they're constantly getting words of God, okay, they're getting these new revelations from God, that means the canon's open. That means the scriptures can be added to, because let's face it, if these are real, okay, if God is really speaking to them, and they are getting actual words from God, does that, does that not mean that there's an open canon? Does that not mean that God himself is still speaking? And so now we have to heed those words, too. Funny thing, though, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the ways that the New Apostolic Reformation Word of Faith crowd, uh, well, they, they point, I'll try this again, funny about that, the Word of Faith and New Apostolic Reformation crowd say that if their prophecies don't match with Scripture, uh, then they need to be thrown out. And most of the time, they don't match with Scripture. Um, go figure. But anyway, going back to Brandon House's book and how he believes that apostles and prophets are not for today. He uses several lines of... Uh, first, he brings up that apostles are appointed by Christ. In Luke chapter 6, verse... 13, it says, And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. Christ himself appointed these apostles. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16, Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. Check this one out. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle. Not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and the God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now these guys, a lot of these new apostolic reformation crowd, they'll say, well, yeah, we weren't appointed apostles by God. I mean, <laughs> by man. Uh, God himself appointed us. Yeah, right. Again, let me see the fruit. I'm not seeing it. If this was really from God, we would be seeing solid fruit. Uh, every prophecy, every prophecy, we don't practice to be prophets. Every prophecy would be correct. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets. We would be seeing right fruit, right action, right prophecies, right everything. We would not be seeing this train wreck of sin and false teaching. Okay, secondly, these apostles and prophets, they saw, these apostles, they saw the risen Lord. Acts chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Wherefore, of these men, which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, in other words, they saw him, beginning from the baptism of John 
unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. All that to say, I know that was kind of a confusing passage. All that to say, these apostles were chosen. One of the criteria was they saw the risen Christ. Right? This is a special breed of apostles that laid this foundation for the church. And on that note, the apostles, <coughs> they laid the doctrinal foundation of the church. Ephesians chapter 2.19 verses 20. Or 220. Uh, now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. All right. Christ, cornerstone, apostles and prophets, foundation of the church. They were the ones that wrote the, you know, we get the New Testament from some of these apostles. These apostles and prophets received scripture from God. Okay, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Where, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Guys, these guys are not getting scripture from the Lord. They're getting revelations that are contrary to the scriptures. And they're prophesying false prophecies. Second uh, Timothy chapter three thirteen verses Second Timothy chapter three verses thirteen through seventeen. But evil men and seducers shall wor- wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Guys, that's exactly what we're seeing. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Where'd you learn them? You learned them from the Bible. And hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. I'm going to try that one again. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Okay, again, where did they learn them? They learned them from the apostles. They learned them from those who were being moved along by the Holy Spirit and and writing these New Testament passages, these epistles, these letters, these gospels. And so, hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Check this out. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I love this. That the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Don't you see that note of finality here? These scriptures will make the man of God perfect. Wait, perfect. Wait, do did, did I need to say that again? Perfect, as in you don't need these new revelations, this new wine, this new manna. Okay? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We don't need all this new stuff. All right. God has laid his foundation. Jude chapter one, verse three, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith, which was 
what was once delivered unto the saints. This is not an ongoing message. And by the way, when you saw these apostles performing miracle signs and wonders, it was to confirm their message. When you see these false prophets confer- or, or performing miracle signs and wonders, uh, you come to find out that almost all of them are signs and wonders you can't see. Okay, Somebody got healed, but you don't see the thing that got healed. Nobody ever gets healed of a missing eyeball or a, uh, an arm missing or they grew in a bunch of teeth or anything like that. You don't see these regeneration miracles. It's always stuff that's inside. It's like, oh, I got cancer. And then Todd Bentley kicks you in the chest and you fall down and a tooth falls out. And suddenly you're healed of the cancer. And then you die a week later. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a solid miracle sign and wonder for you right there. Alright? Uh, th- that's the kind of junk you see in these circles. They're not real signs and wonders. And every once in a while you do see something that you're kind of like, whoa, that was odd. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, we, we do know that Satan comes in the last days with miracles, li- signs, and lying wonders. Uh, we are going to see some of that as we go on here. But these guys, uh, you look at their signs and wonders, and it's a big show. It is a big show, and it is hype, and, and, and it is manipulation, uh, but this is not what you see in the New Testament. These people, you have people who have been uh, lame from birth, blind from birth, and they're getting up and walking, they're opening their eyes and seeing. That's the real deal. People that are dead, they're stone dead. They are dead for four days, and by now they stinketh. <laughs> and they are called forth, and they come back to life. That's the real deal, guys. Okay, I went way too long again today, so I'm going to stop. Guys, if you like what I'm doing with Youth Apologetics Training, you uh, are part of this ministry. You can help donate. Uh, you can send donations to P.O. Box 2392 Loveland, Colorado. That's Loveland. It's all one word. 80539. Uh, and with that, I love you guys. And I'll. I absolutely appreciate those donations. Thank you. That helps me keep things going. Uh, and with that, I love you guys, and I'll see you tomorrow.